Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beerlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Peter's cat, Kempak's cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. But that incredibly awesome song, that means it's time for another episode of Trek Talking. It's Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which means we are live, which means you can call us at 646-668-2433 and join in on the fun. And boy, do we have a lot of fun tonight. We're going to talk about Star Trek Prodigy First Contact, which was last week's episode, The Return of the Ferengi. It's going to be a lot of fun. Plus, we have Nate with us, and he's got some a lot of news to share about Star Trek Online, so you definitely don't want to miss that. But if that's not enough of a reason to hang out with us, we also have convention calendar. We have oodles and oodles of Star Trek birthdays to talk about this week. So that's cool. We have our fan shout outs and we have a lot of Star Trek news. We have the release dates for Star Trek Picard season two. We have the release dates for Strange New Worlds. We have some news on Discovery, Prodigy, and Lower Decks. You definitely don't want to miss that. Grudge is back. That's right. Grudge is back. You probably thought Grudge never left, but Grudge is back. Grudge has a new book and a comic book coming out. We're going to talk about that a little bit later as well. Discovery has been nominated for a couple of awards. I wonder what they could be. You'll have to hang out to find out. And Star Trek Picard is going to have the first audio book. And it's going to be, well, we'll talk about that when we get to it. So we have a lot going on. Once again, our number here is 646-668-2433. We'd love to hear from you. So we have 80,121 downloads of this podcast as of right now. Just phenomenal. My God, you guys are just awesome. So cool. (laughs) I just, I I love it. I I absolutely love it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. And I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting. This will probably happen next week, actually. We have 80,000. 699 followers on our Facebook page and I'm waiting for our downloads to surpass our Facebook page which I think will be um, next work next week so that's pretty cool we may have an update here Jim because uh, by my count we have 81,394 followers now on our Facebook page oh okay well that's cool (laughs) so At any rate, before we get too far into the show, I want to introduce my Trek Spurts. And we want to start off with not a newcomer, but um, 
one of our truck spurts that doesn't regularly join us on the show, but pops in from time to time and happens to be with us tonight. And of course, I'm talking about Nate in Vegas. How you doing tonight, Nate? I'm doing great. Uh, enjoying our uh, 62 degree weather. Oh, jump back. Jump back. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Vegas, we also have with us Charles. How you doing tonight, Charles? And don't be jumping back with Nate either. <laughs> oh, I was. I thought we were going to get some breeze today, but it looks like it's got a calm, kind of mild day today. Nice, nice weather today. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> and we also have with us, as usual, Eric. Eric's on Portland. Eric, help me out, buddy. Portland, the great Northwest. Well, we're looking lower 50s and rainy right now, but the weather's getting better, Jim. It's looking up. So I think uh, you got the short end of the stick here. Well, you know, just to give you an idea, up here in Vermont, uh, it, was, it, was in the, it was 36 degrees. And people were opening up their windows and, oh. and enjoying the nice weather. 36 <laughs> degrees, okay? That's how cold it has been up here. That 36 was like a heat wave. So, and now it's now we're going back into the deep freeze where it could be 22 below zero with the wind chill factor. Leslie's expecting 50 below up in Saranac Lake. So it's getting cold again. So, oh, well, that's what happens in the winter. But. Enough about me. Let's dive right in to our podcast. What do you guys say? You ready? Woohoo. Let's do it. All right. So, usually when we do our um, our podcast, we like to start off by kind of paying homage to you guys, all you guys out there that that follow us. So, all you need to do is go to our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. You have to spell that out A N D, Trek Talking and Beyond. And you'll see the Live Long and Prosper at the top of the page is pinned right up there. And all you got to do is go there and let us know where you're listening from. And every week, yours truly, Uncle Jim, picks 15 of our lucky listeners. If you see a heart next to your name, that means you're going to be on the next podcast and you want to tune in. So, Eric, why don't you start us off with our faithful followers? You betcha. So the first one we'd like to sh- give a shout out to is Manuel Gensler. Manuel Gensler is from Berlin. Although he says, uh, my wife is from Grünheide, which got sudden interest worldwide recently. And uh, you should look that up. It has to do with a Tesla factory in his hometown. So uh, thank you, Manuel, for listening to us all the way from Germany. We really super appreciate it. Uh, we're also saying hello and sending out a big shout out to Andrea Kovacs. Greetings from Budapest, Hungary. Budapest, that's that's so cool. I, uh, it's funny, we were just playing uh, Ticket to Ride the other day, and I made sure that all my tracks connected through Budapest because it is, it is one of the key areas in Europe and in that game, of course. So uh, thank you for listening to us, Andrea Kovacs. Lenart Sham Thompson says, Live Long and Prosper from the center of Ireland on the main N4. I, I do not exactly know what that means, but live long and prosper to you, Leonard. Thank you for listening to us. We're also saying hello to David Jedlicka from Plainfield, Illinois, and former CDN 65 Enterprise Officer. So all the way to Plainfield. Cool. 
That is super cool. I, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. And uh, from Plainfield, I believe that is one of those Chicago suburbs. So, Dave, up around the way from where I'm originally from, nice nice to have you listening to us. Thank you so much. And for and anyone final, who doesn't know that, the CVN, yeah. CVN 65 Enterprise 65. was yep. actually in Star Trek IV, the final frontier. That's where they went, where, where uh, Chekhov and Uhura went to steal the radioactive isotopes. Right. Or the Klingon bird of prey. So that's pretty cool. For the Wessels, the nuclear Wessels. For the Wessels, uh, the nuclear Wessels. <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, and last but not least on my list is Tatjana Yetevic from Belgrade, Serbia. Serbia, guys. I do not think I remember a Serbia checking in with us before, a Serbian checking in with we, us before. I right? think no? that's the first Serbian we've had, I believe. For, First time that I can remember. So, Tatiana Yetvik, uh, wow, thank you so much for listening to us and downloading our podcast all the way in that part of the world. Uh, we really appreciate it. Charles, who is on your list? Oh, before I go on my list, I did a quick look up to check up my stats. The N4 in Ireland is our equivalent to the interstate. Ah, there we go. Those were main. Those are big main roads. Got it. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so Over that there is on pretty. The main freeway or main road through there. So Lenart is up. on the Tom center Tom of Tom. Ireland on a main interstate. There you go. Start up. See, it's educational. It is. Yeah, butcher. It says, hello from the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Uh, I need to learn more about what that means. I know part of the Commonwealth. Yeah, I don't and I know Shannon, that reference Shannon's Commonwealth, but I don't us. know what that means. Do you guys know what that means? The Commonwealth well, of Kentucky? Massachusetts is, Massachusetts is a Commonwealth as well. a Commonwealth well. too, right? I don't know what that so means. Yeah. Virginia. Uh, I have to look Basically, that up. Basically, Commonwealth goes back to previous before they were states. Mm-hmm. Marcus Castro hails from Southern Maryland. Stephen Stockdale is from Riverside, Ohio. Really, I think of Riverside, I think of California, but nope. Stephen's in the middle of the country in Ohio. Danny Martin is in Indiana. Which hails in the United States. And Peggy Dixon is from Newfoundland, Newfoundland, Canada. And I bet Jim's got maybe a New Yorker or two. (laughs) It's possible. It's possible. And we have to remember uh, back when we used to do the top cities, our number one city. That of all of our listeners is New York City. Um, By a they all, shot. They, yeah, I mean, they ruled, they ruled our, our top. I mean, there wasn't even a chance of anybody knocking New York City out of that spot. It was firmly entrenched in that spot. You know what it so, is, Jim? Um, it is your, uh, gr- is your northeastern gravitational pull uh, combined I, I with think, the fact that New York City just has a ton of people. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I think I think you're onto something. There's just 
there's so many people in New York City, it's just mind-boggling. And and I spent my my summers down there, so you know I'm you know and it's represent. Cold, you have nothing better to do. Yeah, that's right. If you're, you're freezing. What else are you gonna do? Go. Listen to a podcast and curl up with a blanket and listen to us babble for a couple hours, right? Yeah, watch Star Trek. And you, watch, yeah. So there you have it. So it's not surprising that our top fan, our top top. Oh my God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I'm getting all tongue-tied here and twisted. I, I think my tongue is frozen to my lips. I think that's what it is from this bitter cold. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we have our top fan. There you go. I got it out that time. Top fan, top fan. Top fan, Tom <laughs> Sangiorgi from New York City, Queens, New York, to be exact, which is awesome. Um We'd like to also say hello and thank you to Margaret Garcia from Long Island, New York. Notice I said Long Island and not Long. If you pronounce the G wrong, they can get upset with you. Long Island. It's so interesting. These are languages that I do not speak. It's like it's like when you say hiatus, Jim, and there's no H. I, hiatus or, or however you say There's like an H thing that happens, too, that I don't get from New York, but... You know what? Everybody's got their own little accent and uh, itic, itic of languages well, within the U.S. <laughs> I, I, I've often wondered why Patrick Stewart always says lieutenant with an F. Lieutenant. Yeah, it's very this, interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> lieutenant. lieutenant. That's that's from Britain. That's the well, British way yeah. of saying it. Yeah. So, but anyways, when you when you're talking to somebody from the island. You have to pronounce it the right way. If you if you say long, they they get upset. If you say long, it's not long, it's long. So long. I, I've learned I've learned that from friends that live there. If you say it wrong, they get upset. So so Margaret, I pronounced it properly. So there you have it. We'd also like to say thank you to Tammy Arnold from Syracuse, New York, at the other end of the state. That's pretty cool. And we'd also like to say thank you to Amanda Trekkie Mason from Manchester in the UK. Thank you, Amanda Trekkie, for tuning in and listening to us. And Stefan Seawatt from near from, from near Glasgow in Scotland. Near Glasgow, not in Glasgow, but near Glasgow. So thank you so much to each and every one of you guys for listening. We really, really appreciate it. And once again, head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talk and Beyond. Give us a like, give us a follower. Help us help us break that 81,000 mark, which I think we can do by next show. And if you see a heart next to your name, that means you're going to be on the podcast. And now it's time for our Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. So we always start out our birthdays with remembering those members of our Star Trek family who sadly are no longer with us. But before we do that, I just wanted to, there's somebody uh, passed away at the age 80 um, just last, was it two days ago or yesterday? Uh, passed away. Somebody that, um, in one of my favorite movies, somebody that was, was um, 
uh, I don't want to say I followed this person's career, but um, growing up, I watched this movie countless, countless times. And uh, she wasn't in Star Trek, but I want to just say that to Yvette Mimo, that we miss you. Uh, she was in H.G. Wells' Time Machine. That was her big role. That's the one that launched her. But for me, it was Disney's movie, The Black Hole. And so um, she just passed away at the age of 80. And um, I had to watch The Black Hole in her remembrance. So even though it's not Star Trek, I wanted to throw that out there just for my personal opinion. And Eric, you can take away the Star Trek now. Uh, that's great, Jim. Uh, Yvette Momo, great actress, great movie, The Black Hole. I love that movie as well. So happy birthday to her. Uh, or not happy birthday, but uh, remembrance is going out to her. Now we will remember those people in our Star Trek community who would have had birthdays this week who are no longer with us. So we're starting this week with actor Barry Jenner, who played Admiral William Ross from DS9. Uh, William Ross, uh, another of a long string of shady admirals, right, guys? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that is, but... <laughs> uh, I don't know why either, but uh, I loved Admiral Ross. Uh, he's got a pretty cool card in uh, Star Trek Attack Wing as well, and uh, happy birthday to Barry Jenner. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday and sending remembrances out to Peter Mark Richmond, who played Ralph Offenhaus in TNG's episode... The Neutral Zone. Uh, he is a pretty famous actor. He's been he's been in several things. I mean, he was like uh, in The Outer Limits, uh, Twilight Zone. Um, he was even in a Friday the Third or uh, yeah, Friday the Thirteenth movie. Uh, believe it or not, Jim, he was in Part Eight, Jason Takes Manhattan. So there you go. There's and, your and, horror connection. And he got what he deserved in that movie too, because he was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, Jason comedy, didn't show him any kindness whatsoever. That's right. That's right. And for the comedy connection, he was also in uh, Naked Gun Two and a Half. So uh, he's been around uh, a lot of television and movies throughout the years. So happy birthday and remembrances going out to Peter Mark Richin. We're also saying happy birthday this week to to actress Joanna Linville. Uh, now, if you don't know who this woman is, uh, you probably just don't know the name because you absolutely know her if you've seen any TOS. Uh, she is the Romulan commander, not, uh, not the one that, who looks like Sarek, but the other one. Uh, she's the female Romulan commander from the TOS days back during the Enterprise incident. Such a good episode, uh, such a great character, such a great relationship and, like, tension with her and Spock in that episode. Uh, definitely one of my favorites, uh, and what a great actress. Um, yeah, do you have anything you want to say about Joanna Linville? Well, she does have she does have a non-canon name, um, which I was thinking about if I should put it in there or not, but um, she's... She whispers it to Spock, so it's never actually said on screen. But she does have a non-canon name, and it's a, and her, she has a card in Star Trek with that name on it. She does. Yeah, two That's cards, right. I think. Yeah, yeah two actually. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So, so. who knows? Uh, it was never actually on the television, but uh, we've got some licensed product with that name, so that feels like uh, that feels like kind of confirmation. So. Happy birthday to Joanna Linville. 
Uh, we're also saying happy birthday this week to Torin Thatcher, uh, who played the character Marpion in the TOS episode, episode excuse me, uh, Return of the Archons. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday to uh, Harry Bosch, who played Dr. Brown, uh, the android, of course, uh, for Dr. Brown in TOS's episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of?, which I love that episode because that is one of the first times that we see androids in Star Trek, and um, and it's an interesting enough episode to kind of already start asking interesting questions about androids, as far as I'm concerned. So love that episode. Happy birthday to Harry Bosch. Also, happy birthday to Michael Pataki, uh, one of our great Klingons from the old days. He played uh, Korax in TOS's episode Trouble with Tribbles. Uh, later on, he would go on to play Karnas in TNG's Too Short a Season as well, but I think Korax is the one that I always think of him uh, as being associated with. Uh, the other character was not a Klingon, Karnas, um, different episode, uh, another alien, but not, not a Klingon. So uh, happy birthday to Michael Pataki. We're also saying happy birthday to Lee Delano, who played the character of Kalo in TOS's episode, A Piece of the Action, an episode that we like to talk about quite a bit on this episode. So happy birthday to Lee Delano. Happy birthday also to Peter Baracco, who played Claymore in TOS's episode, Errand of Mercy, uh, one of the great episodes from TOS era. And uh, he is uh, in that episode, does a great job. Yeah, go ahead. He's an Organian, actually. He is. He's, he's one of the Organians. Uh, and yeah, I, I love the way that the Organians kind of, um, speak, you know, they're just, they're just like, they speak with such authority. <laughs> it's a great episode. Uh, happy birthday also to Nancy Parsons, uh, an actress who played Maruk in TNG's episode, The Vengeance Factor. Uh, Jim, I, you know, I've seen this other movie, but I don't really know too much about it. So apparently she has another connection here that's important to us. She has a big one. Anybody, anybody that grew up in the eighties, if you're old like me, uh, you, you, you went to see Porky's, Porky's two, Porky's three, Porky's four. Well, uh, she was the gym teacher, Beulah Ballbreaker in those Ah. movies. And coincidentally, Kim Cattrall was in. Porky's one as well as oh, Lassie. Cool. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to, I, I I was surprised when I found that out because I didn't make that connection. But she was Beulah Ballbreaker in the Porky's movies, so that's pretty cool. Sounds like I got some uh, '80s movies to catch up on here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happy birthday also this week to uh, actor Gene Silva. Uh, who played uh, another shady Romulan, uh, who also has a, a ship class named after him, Vrax, uh, in the Ent- Enterprise episode United, uh, and also in the episode The Anar, two very excellent episodes of Enterprise that also should draw you into that show. Uh, great Romulan character. Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, just really cool. So uh, happy birthday to Gene Silva. Happy birthday also to Fritz Weaver, who played Kovat in DS9's episode Tribunal. Uh, O'Brien's public defender? Yep. Yep, he was the the Cardassian public defender for O'Brien. That's right. 
and uh, a different kind of Cardassian. It was kind of interesting to see a Cardassian in that role. Uh, I think you know it's it's not unlike uh, Michael Dorn's character in Star Trek VI, who you know this person who's kind of put in an awkward position uh, for the benefit of their client, who everybody already is going to judge guilty. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, this week we are also celebrating slash remembering uh, one of the big three who would have had a birthday this week uh, from the TOS era, uh, actor DeForest Kelly, uh, who, of course, played Dr. Pulaski. Nice try, Jim. (laughs) 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 Who played Bones uh, from the TOS era. And uh, if you don't know who Bones are, then what are you doing listening to this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in, in honor of DeForest Kelly, I do. He's he's very well known to Star Trek fans for. Well, anyways, I'm gonna play this oh, for you guys, and and I bet I bet oh, you're I, gonna know it. I hope I is know this it. a dead man, Doctor? Yeah, very dead, Mister Spock. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Captain. <laughs> Dead, Jim. The man is dead. He's dead, Captain. She's dead, Jim. She's dead. He's dead. He's dead, Jim. She's dead, Jim. So that's one of the lines that DeForest Kelly is known for. He's dead, Jim. But, but there's one more thing that he's known for, something that he says quite frequently that actually, I believe Carl Urban actually said this line in the new Star Trek movie that's kind of an homage to DeForest Kelly in, in TOS. Five and times he said that, and, and Five times? Okay. Five times. And that, I got him. That, that would be this line right here. My name is McCoy. I'm a doctor. What am I, a doctor or a moon shuttle conductor? I jumped every time a light came on around here. I'd end up talking to myself. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. You're a healer. There's a patient. That's an order. I'm a surgeon, not a psychiatrist. Look, I'm a doctor, not an escalator. Spock, give me a hand. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not an engineer. No, you're an engineer. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. You keep saying that. Are you a doctor, aren't you? I don't know. I 
love that last line. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's so good with the music. There's yeah. um, there's another one where he's like, I'm not a magician, Spock. I'm just an old country doctor. That's from the Deadly. Yeah, I love that one too. <laughs> he's he's great. He absolutely is great. And the uh, Force Kelly will be missed. And we're thinking about him today on his birthday. Um, anybody have any stories? Did anybody get a chance to meet the Force Kelly at a convention or? Nope. Maybe no. 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 no? Unfortunately, I did not. No. No. Well, I did. <laughs> of course. I uh, I um, when when TNG came out, of course, everybody knows he was in that one scene with Data in the Encounter at Farpoint. That's right. And actually, years old. hundred. Yes, Mark Lee was at this particular convention. It was Farpoint down in Maryland, and we went down to see DeForest Kelly because of TNG because of that scene, and I had him sign the picture of him with Data from TNG from that episode. And unfortunately, by the time we went down to see him, his arthritis was so bad at that point that they didn't have a live autograph on him like they do today. So he would sign, he would sign the pictures and then you would go, you would go and pick them up. So he didn't have to sign them all at once. Um, so that's the way he did it. And I got to tell you guys, he was, he was such a kind and and friendly and open um, a person. I mean, he was a joy to listen to him talk, telling stories about Leonard Nimoy and about uh, you know Star Trek Four, which was one of his favorite movies. And uh, he was just a great guy. I I really enjoyed listening to him talk and getting the opportunity to meet him. He was a really special person. So that's all I got to say. <laughs> so with that. It's time for our very first commercial break. So run to the bathroom, run to the market, get your chicken wings, get your pizza, get, get your egg rolls, whatever, and come right back because you don't want to miss. We have a few more birthdays to go over, and we got a lot to talk about. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, and we're doing... Star Trek birthdays, and we just finished remembering those members who sadly are no longer with us. But now we're going to say happy birthday to those who still are. And for that, we're going to turn to Charles. So, Charles, who's on your list? Well, it's interesting that Eric says 12 remembrances. Jim and I each got four. It's like, yeah, there's a lot more remembrances than there are actual the rest of the group. I know, isn't that sad? Well, it's yeah. 55 years. I mean, that's a long time, guys. It's a long time. And, yeah. you know, just like a, you take anybody who was in their 30s uh, back in the day or in their 40s, and, yeah, they're likely gone at this point. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's start off with John Duke, who played Chief Gillespie in TNG's Night Terrors. Mark Kelly played Lieutenant Larska in Boy's Non Sequitur. Danny Swanson played Katie 
in Tim Hayes, When the Bow Breaks. And a couple of good ones I like here. Alex Dahl, who played F8. Hard <laughs> Mapson legend. Hell yeah. He was a, yeah, exactly. He was the <laughs> one that we thought was safe. Well, and just like why the his sin- name yeah, his name is F eight is kind of ridiculous as fate, you know, being the word and then that whole like thing that happens. I, yeah, just funny. And when Apple And when he was Apple one of the was he was one of the plastic people, if I remember right. the line correct. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Yeah. Ones that uh, a group of Romulans did not like. Yeah. And Andrea right. Martin in the episode DS9 in the episode Family Business put Iska. But we didn't want to call her Iska. We love to call her Moogie. Gosh, and you guys, let's talk about, well, I mean, later we get to talk about Moogie, I think, uh, in our, during our discussion of Prodigy, uh, because there's a pretty good tie-in there. Yep. But for those of, for those who don't know, who is Moogie, Charles? That was Quark's mother. That's yeah. right. And, and we... I think we kind of know because of what we saw in Prodigy, but uh, when Rom became the Grand Nagus, we never got to see what happened to the Ferengi Empire after Grand Nagus, but we do know that Rom was not your typical Ferengi, and neither was Moogie, and what made Moogie different from other female Ferengis? Anybody know? Oh, yeah. She wore clothes. She wore clothes. So when you put Moogie and you put Rom in charge of the Ferengi Empire, what kind of changes happened after that? We never really get to find out. Big so. changes. And do not forget that actually uh, it was, and I've got the year here, uh, there was an episode there, uh, 2374, Grand Negus Zek grants Ferengi women the right to wear clothes and earn profit. So she was the first in uh, the episode Profit and Lace. Uh, DS9's episode uh, from season 6, episode 23. There you go. She changed an entire empire. And it shows up, yeah. as we say, in another show. What? And Jim, I, I want to correct you on something. The Ferengi oh. are way too nice to have an empire. They have a, it is the Ferengi Alliance. Alliance, a much that's right. more tamer, tamer, uh, friendlier Term for their group. <laughs> well, the yeah. thing is an empire where where you're all competing against one another for blood all the time. True. Well, they do have those nasty whips. Well, you know. I guess the yeah. mirror universe is kind of like that too. So yeah, I stand corrected. Yeah, but they don't have goatees. Uh, <laughs> Jim, we just <laughs> let's let's not get into a goatee discussion. Come on now. All right, we'll we'll jump over that one. <laughs> so. For my birthdays, I, I want to start off with 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 my with my cousin um, Jeff Yeager, who played Aiden in Voice Flesh and Blood. No, he's not really my cousin. If he was, he'd be on this podcast. Um, but 
and he does spell his name different than I spell mine, but um, it, that's pretty cool, I thought. So happy birthday to Jeff. Also, Hannah Spear, and Hannah Spear played Serana in Short Trek's The Brightest Star and Discovery's The Sound of Thunder and Such Sweet Sorrow. She's better known as Saru's sister. So happy birthday to Hannah Spear. We also want to say happy birthday. Well, all mine are all current. That's strange. Mm -hmm. I just noticed that. Um, We also want to say happy. Yeah, Charles got all the. Oh, yeah. That's weird how that happened. Who organizes? Well, I got one. I got one modern. (laughs) Yeah, that's Uh, that's true. You got fate. Yeah, you got fate. (laughs) Yep. we also want to say happy birthday to Rain Wilson, who played Harcourt Fenton Mud in Short Trek's The Escape Artist, and then showed up again on Discovery's Choose Your Pain and Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, which, for those trivia buffs out there, is the longest episode title of any Star Trek series to date. Just a little, a little trivia to throw out there. I think so, also um, the only uh, episode that probably features Andorian battle armor. You know, I think you're right. Yep. Don't think we ever think saw anything like right. that in Enterprise. No, I don't. I don't remember, recall ever seeing Shran wear anything like that. Nope. Nope. Um, and we'd also like to say, last but definitely not least, and uh, she's barely twenty, so I, we're going to be having her on our birthdays. <laughs> For many, we'll be gone and she'll still be doing birthdays. Yep, she's going to be on our list for a long time. And I'm talking about Issa Briones, who, by the way, sings a mean, Uh, I mean, she's got a uh, killer, killer voice on her. And for those of you who don't know, she stars in Star Trek Picard as Dodge, Soji, Jana, and Sutra. So... And, and who knows, she may play other characters in uh, season two and three. We we just don't know at this point in time. But happy birthday to Issa Briones. And that, my friends, wraps up our Star Trek birthdays. I hope that you've enjoyed this little flashback through time with us and remembering some of our favorite episodes and some of our favorite characters. But we do have a caller on the line. And I believe this is a good friend of ours. Hey, thanks for calling Truck Talk, and what's your name, and where are you calling us from tonight? Hi, my name is David. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. David. I thought I recognized you. How you doing, David? I'm getting better. I just kind of got over a flu, so I'm getting, I'm under my oh. <laughs> Ugh, Stupid well, flu. it's a perfect time to, to hang out and listen to some Truck Talking, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Now it's time to dive into our convention, 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 calendar, 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 calendar. And Eric, you get to lead us off with our convention calendar. What do we got going Uh, on? I love this segment. We have the Great Lakes Comic-Con Convention Convention, February 25th through the 26th at the Macomb Community College Sports and Expo Center in Warren, Michigan. So uh, you, sh- you should go to that because that sounds really super cool. We're also tracking Bold City Con, February 25th through the 27th at the Jacksonville Fairgrounds in Jacksonville, Florida. Ooh, a nice 
Fair, isn't that awesome that you can have a fairgrounds convention uh, in Florida in February? Because you just got the temperatures going for you. So why not check it out? Alabama. Well, I know Mark, Mark Lee was complaining that it was 60 and he had to put, out, put the heat on in his car. Uh, oh, poor baby. Poor baby. Literally. So, I mean, you know, I feel I feel that pain. I mean, how can you, how can you possibly just, you know, put up with those kind of – First world problems, know. man. <laughs> Uh, we are also tracking the Alamo Hero Con, the Austin edition, February 25th through the 27th at the Palmer Event Center in Austin, Texas. I have some family there. Hello, Austin. Uh, Armageddon Expo Taranga, February 26th through the 27th at Trust Power Bay Park in Mount Mauganu. Mauganui? I apologize for massacring that name. Mount Maganui, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess in New Zealand. So that is super cool that there is a Star Trek convention going on on the other side of the planet in February. Go check it out. And also we are tracking Nerd Fest February 27th at the Holiday Inn Philadelphia South, Swedesboro, New Jersey. Jim, who you got on your list, sir? Well, we want to say, let everybody know about Capitola Collecticon, March 4th through the 6th at Capitola Mall in Capitola, California. I thought I made a mistake. There's all these Capitolas in there, but I, I guess that must be the place. It's just huh? fun to say. Just fun to say. Yeah, Capitola, Capitola, Capitola. And we also are following Middle East Film and Comic Con. March 4th and 6th at the Abu Dhabi National Exhibition Center in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. So check that out if you're in the area. And our buddy Ray, we have BX Comic Con Book Show March 5th at the Grand Slam Banquet Hall in Bronx, New York. So Ray can check that out. We have Oz Comic Con Perth 2022 March 5th and 6th at the Perth Convention Center and Exhibition Center in Perth, Western Australia. Australia. And last on my list is Supernova Comic-Con and Gaming in Melbourne 2022, March 5th and 6th, Melbourne Showgrounds in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. And Charles, you get to wrap up our list. Okay, let's start off with Sakai Comic-Con, March 6th, Courtyard by Marriott Columbus West Hilliard, Ohio. Alcon, March 10th through 13th, Hilton Dallas Lincoln Center, Dallas, Texas, Northeast Comic Con and Collectibles Extravaganza, March 11th through 13th, Foxborough Regency Hotel and Convention Center, Foxborough, Massachusetts, or is it Maine? One of the two. Uh, that is I definitely Massachusetts, yep. Massachusetts. Con, Los Angeles. March 11th through 13th, Los Angeles, Marriott, Burbank Airport, Burbank, California. And Annapolis, Comic Con, March 12th. The. Byzantium. Oh, Jim got me with this one. Byzantium. Byzillum Event and Convention Center in Annapolis, <laughs> Maryland. I have okay, been to Annapolis, Maryland. My 
Yeah, <laughs> he did a good job. I've been to Annapolis, Maryland. I've never been to the Byzantium Event and Conference Center, but I've been in Annapolis, and it's a cool town. I like it. Uh, I was digging on it. I've got some family in Maryland, uh, so I've been there a couple of times. And uh, I do have one that I want to add that I just found out about, and um, <clears throat> this is uh, – February 11th and 12th in Ticonderoga, New York, at Ticonderoga, New York, at the original oh, yeah. series set tour, J.G. Hertzler and Robert O'Reilly are going to be appearing as Martok and Gowron. And uh, I, I want, I, I want to go to this one. I've, I've met go, them Jim. both. You have I've to met go. them both, but I've never met them both as Klingons, and they're going to be in, wearing their full costumes. Oh, my God. So um, I'd love to go and get a picture of me with them as a Klingon waving my batlet around and getting on our Facebook page. <laughs> they're, they're pretty awesome in costume at, at, uh, when I've seen them yeah. in Las Vegas. Yeah. Just don't act like Mona. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, I, I I don't know what the COVID thing and whatnot. I, I don't know, but I know. Um, I'd like to go. If, if I can, I'd like to go up there and get a picture of me in my Klingon gear with them and my bat list. So we'll see how that goes. So at any rate, it'll be fun if we go. So now it's time for Star Trek News. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. Black alert. Black alert. And this is the time of the show where we go through our Star Trek news. All the stories that we're going to talk about, you can find the complete articles on our Facebook page rather than the abbreviated version that yours truly puts together for this podcast. But before we start, we have a special guest newscaster with us tonight, and that is Nate from Vegas. And Nate from Vegas has some new information on Star Trek Online. Take it away, Nate. Yeah, you guys don't. I can give you guys these articles so you can post them there after I talk about it. So as uh, as you guys know, I uh, have been playing Star Trek Online recently. So uh, I've been uh, covering this for your guys' uh, podcast as I uh, as they come up with some new stuff. Uh, so uh, for Star Trek Online, uh, starting this week, uh, they are doing their 12th anniversary celebration. Um, by uh, offering uh, players from today through the 25th uh, a special item as long as they log in and it's a once per account uh, type of thing. Uh, you log in, you, you uh, get this reward. Today uh, they have some tech upgrades. Uh, tomorrow they have some uh, they have specialization points for your captain on how uh, for their uh, skills um, uh, on the 22nd they have a coupon for a free tier 5 ship tier 6 is the the current standard but the tier 5 ships are still good uh, on the 23rd uh, when you log in, you can claim a uh, seven of nine outfit and a Talaxian uniform for free. Uh, on the 24th, you get a free tier six uh, upgrade 
token. So if you already have a tier six ship, uh, it's an upgrade token for that. And then on the 25th, they have a uh, upgrade token to improve your uh, character. It's called an elite captain upgrade token. Uh, also, uh, to celebrate uh, the 12th anniversary, uh, this week they are having a 20% off sale uh, for ships. So any ships that you find in their cartel, the equivalent if you place a Star Wars online, um, they call it cartel market in Star Trek. They call it the, uh, the sea store. Uh, and you spend Zen on it is the currency. Um, so you can get 20% off uh, any ship that is presented in those stores. But those aren't the only things that they're doing for the 12th anniversary. Uh, starting uh, on uh, the 25th, uh, they will be, and continuing until February 24th, they will be having a new um, storyline chapter for the Mirror Universe. Uh, earlier, a couple, couple, three months ago, I think now, uh, well, maybe a little bit more than three months, they had a Mirror Universe adventure uh, chapter, and so this is the second part of that. Um, and uh, so you, if you participate in the events for the 12th anniversary, uh, which uh, include the new episode, which is called Redshift, and then there are two, near, two new, uh, or actually one new task force operation is what they call them. That's with the group of five players. Uh, you group together and go uh, do an operation. Uh, as long as you uh, perform daily progress through these things, you earn tokens. And for that token, you get now the last tier six ship they gave us for free was the Eisenberg uh, class star cruiser, uh, which was, is uh, based off the USS Nog, named after uh, Aaron Eisenberg in honor of him. This one that they offer you that you can win for free just by participating is called the Jarok Alliance Carrier. And uh, this I believe is their third Alliance ship, which is um, this one, as you may uh, gather by the name Drock, uh, is of Romulan design mixed with Federation design. Uh, they had uh, the two previous Alliance ships that they had. There was one uh, that was called the Tamir uh, class Raider. That was a mix of Romulan and Klingon technology. And the, uh, they also had one, uh, I can't think of what it's called off the top of my uh, head, but it, it was a battle cruiser, which was a, a mix of Federation and Klingon technology. So these are the three Alliance ships that they've uh, had. Uh, and uh, each of uh, this is part, again, that you can win for free just by participating in these daily events starting on the 25th of January, running until the 24th of February. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the news I got for that, if you guys are interested. You guys should start uh, playing with me on, online. We should get together. Well, actually, after, after the, when you were talking about the snowball fights, um, on the last one, I will. I logged on to my PS4, go off the dust, 
and I logged on and went on to my Star Trek online account and, and I had to wait over three hours for it to download all the new stuff because that's how long it's been since I played it. So wow. um, the last time I played it, I, I, I was, it was the episode with Tilly when you had to go on the, the discovery and get the spore drive working and t- you were with Tilly. That's how yeah. long ago it was. Okay. So um, it's all updated and uh and ready to play <laughs> so, yeah i don't know if we can cross platform between pc and playstation though but uh ooh, we'll see we can, hopefully. we can give it a try yeah if you log on to it um i, I yeah I, I don't know that's a good question i think when you log on i don't think it matters what platform you're on does it yeah i don't, yeah, know. I don't, I don't know if it does we'll find out so, we have some really hot news that hit the internet, took it by storm, and I got to say thank you to Shannon for sending this to us. And originally I didn't have this story in our in our news, but I had to pop it in cuz you guys need to know this. So, Star Trek Discovery will be warping its way to a 10 episode fifth season. That's interesting because every other season has been anywhere between 13 and 15 episodes. Now they're yep. cutting it back to 10. Yep. But when I looked at all the other shows, they're all 10 episodes I now. Know. And I think, that's, I think that's to make room for their new Star Trek every Thursday all year plan, I think. But at any rate, um, uh, Discovery has been renewed for a 10-episode fifth season with season four returning with new episodes beginning on Thursday, February 10th. Uh, beginning, um, the fourth season will conclude on March 17th. Then Star Trek Picard's second season will debut on Thursday, March 3rd. Following that, premiere new episodes of the 10-episode-long second season will drop weekly on Thursdays. Plus, Star Trek Picard is currently in production for its third season. Later this year, Captain Pike, yay, Hanson Mount, <laughs> Number one, played by Rebecca Romaine and science officer Spock, played by the awesome Ethan Peck, who I met and he was a charm, will be returning to the Enterprise at the debut of, drumroll, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, that's right, on Thursday, May 5th. Following the premiere, new episodes of the 10-episode season will drop weekly on Thursdays, and the Enterprise's brand new adventures in space don't end there. Star Trek Strange New Worlds has also been renewed for a second season, so 20 episodes of Strange New Worlds. The Cerritos will also be back with even more hijinks with Star Trek Lower Decks third season debuting in the summer of 2022. We'll be seeing even more of Ensign Mariner, played by Tawny Newsome, Ensign Boimler, voiced by Jack Quaid, and the rest of the Lower Decks Star Trek crew has been renewed for a 10-episode fourth season as well. You see the 10 episode thing kind of working here? Um, Star Trek Prodigy's first season will wrap up with episode 10 on Thursday, February 3rd with the remaining season 1 episodes to debut in the summer of 2022. Uh, Four years ago, we made a promise to grow Star Trek into something it had never been before and thanks to the incredibly hard work done by our many talented showrunners, writers, and directors, Along with the extraordinary support of CBS Studios and Paramount Plus, we are keeping our words, says Alex Kurtzman, 
architect, and executive producer of the Star Trek franchise. <clears throat> now, our current shows are set up for the future as we work to build Trek's next phase of programming for years to come. So it looks like we have, by my count, 23 consecutive weeks with new Star Trek every single Thursday. That is awesome. Part of that will be Discovery overlapping Picard for three weeks. So we'll have back-to-back Discovery and Picard. So we have a two-hour block of Star Trek for three consecutive Thursdays. And then we have two consecutive Thursdays with Picard and Strange New Worlds back-to-back. So that is awesome news if you're a Star Trek fan. What do you guys think? You excited for, for all of this? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, being able to have this much consecutive Star Trek. Now, there's some overlap going on here that, uh, you know, this podcast is going to be busy. <laughs> yeah, very much so. So I wish that they had kind of timed it a little bit differently so there wasn't so much overlap. But that being said, it is a new glut of Star Trek, which is always something to look forward to. Yeah, it's pretty cool, I think. So, Charles, what do you have for us? Okay, in honor of this, I will have this book in my hand while reading the story. Star Trek Discovery, The Book of Grudge, is available right now. When Grudge McCat joined the crew of the USS Enterprise in 2020, who knew she would would have so much to say? Finally got some of the attention she deserves in recent Star Trek episodes, Stormy Weather. It's only fair she has her 15 minutes of fame in the literary world. The wait is over. The Book of Grudge is available from Hero Collectors and Penguin Random House. With the help of New York Times best-selling author Rob Perlman, to whom Grudge belongs, begrudgingly dictated her thoughts, the Book of Grudge brings to life her views the world with thoughts on humans, Life, Michael Burnham, dogs, and much more. Grudge's musing over using cover everything from space travel to proper care and training of various alien species. You'll also find Star Trek inspired quotes and high seas medita- uh, meditations on our favorite things, including napping and people, as long as they're far enough away. The Book of Grudge comes on 96 page with plenty of exclusive illustrations and, of course, plenty of pictures of Grudge from the set of Star Trek Discovery. Yep. Oh, I forgot. Where am I? One. Even get started. I was flipping through. I had a quote that I thought was, oh, time. Grudge on time. Depending on what planet you're on, what sun you're passing, or whatever temporal anonymy you find yourself in, I've learned that time is nothing but an artificial construct. With everyone's best interest to synchronize their clock to me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's AJ. <laughs> that's my cat. <laughs> that is a very cat attitude, I'd say. Yeah, that's yeah. very catly. You synchronize your clock. You got to synchronize your cross to grudge time. That's right. 
The time of grudge. It it, it goes along with Starfleet is short snippets, but the fun book, and you go through, and you can't help but have a smile on your face going through the different pictures, the different things. It's a fun book. It's worth it. And we're going to talk a little bit about grudge a little bit later, but first we have to take another quick commercial break. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after we hear this very important message from GM Chris. This is Chris from Trek Talking and Beyond, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trek experts are here to discuss Star Trek and other sci-fi-related content, and we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433 on Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on East Coast Time. Hailing frequencies are always open and we'll get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith. You will call. And we're back. And Eric, you've got our next story. I do have our next story, and I'm very excited about this story uh, because this is a format that both Charles and I appreciate quite a bit for different reasons and for same reasons. Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan will voice No Man's Land, a new Star Trek Picard audio drama. Uh, now, just uh, for those of you who may not know, an audio drama is something a little different from, uh, for example, a book on tape, where uh, the characters are each read by different actors. And in this case, of course, we get the actual actors reading their characters. And so it's much more akin to kind of the old school, uh, you know, War of the World style uh, audio drama from back in the day. So very exciting. Simon & Schuster has announced that this new original audio drama, Star Trek Picard, No Man's Land, which is being voiced by series stars Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine and Michelle Hurd as Rafi Musiker. Uh, the new audio adventure is written by Picard co-creator and writer Kristen Boy- Beyer, along with Star Trek Comics veteran writer Mike Johnson. According to the announcement, the adventure is set between seasons one and season two. Here is the synopsis. While Seven of Nine and Rafi are enjoying some much-needed R&R in Rafi's remote hideaway, their downtime is interrupted by an urgent cry for help. A distant, beleaguered planet has enlisted the Fenris Rangers to save an embattled evacuation effort. As Seven and Rafi team up to rescue a mysteriously ageless professor, whose infinity-shaped talisman has placed him in the deadly sights of a vicious Romulan warlord, they take tentative steps to explore the attractive, de- the attraction depicted in the final moments of Picard season one. No Man's Land is being made exclusively for audio, something not seen in Star Trek since the 1990s. In addition to Rafi and Seven, the audio drama includes a full cast playing all new characters, including a Romulan warlord, a Fenris ranger, various exotic alien species, and more. The voice cast includes Frad Toschiore, uh, who plays Shax on Star Trek Lower Decks, John Kassir, who plays the Crypt Keeper on HBO's Tales from the Crypt, and John Cutmore Scott, a featured character on the ABC series Deception. In addition, it will feature actual Star Trek Picard sound effects. Star Trek Picard No Man's Land will be released on February 22nd. You can pre-order it on Audible, which... I have already taken care of, and I'm very excited to listen to it. Yeah, we'll have to uh, review that on Book Nook, or yeah, Book Nook, I guess. 
<laughs> I think so. Yeah, we don't out. really have like an audio drama show yet. I think we're gonna have to find something between Book Nook and uh, our regular guy <laughs> and our regular show. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to come <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm looking forward to that one. I've never ever listened to an audiobook. So, yeah, it's not an, an audio drama, book, but and yeah, I've I've I have not listened to many. I have listened to the Orson Welles uh, War of the Worlds from back in the day, which you should absolutely listen to if you're ever going to listen to one, because that's the one, of course, that freaked out the public and made them believe that things were really happening. Well, there yes, are... I've listened to that one. <laughs> have you? Okay. Well, but, so you have. Listened yeah, that to one I have. There you go. But. So anyways, uh, Star Trek Discovery nominated for a Makeup Guild Award. The Makeup Artist and Hairstylist Guild has announced their nominations for the year, and the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery has been nominated for the Best Special Effects Makeup for Television. The artists nominated for Discovery are Glenn Hetrick, Rocky Falker, Nicola Bendry, and Chris Burgoyne. Discovery will be going up against American Horror Stories, Impeachment, American Crime Story, The Witcher, and This Is Us. Makeup has always been one of the strong suits of the franchise with many awards and nominations through the decades. Discovery was nominated for the same Guild Award in 2020, and Star Trek Picard was nominated in 2021. All three previous seasons of Discovery were nominated for Emmys for prosthetic makeup, with wins in 2019 and 2021. The Makeup Artist and Hairstylist Guild Award will be held at a live ceremony at the Beverly Hilton Hotel on February 19th. The fourth season of Discovery will return from hiatus on February 10th. And Eric, you have our next one, coincidentally. I do, and this is another good one. John Delancey talks Q's motivation in Star Trek Picard Season 2. Delancey talked about how he was playing a different and more serious Q on Picard. He offered some more detail, including hinting at Q's motivation. It isn't, in fact, a cue of 34 years ago. It would be unseemly to be playing it that way. He's older, more mature, a little more focused individual with a very strong internal motivation and a desire to get Picard to do something. But if I tried to do it the way I acted back then, I think it wouldn't be good. It is different, and it's intended to be a little different. But the actor also made it clear that before signing on, he wanted assurances that the role wasn't going to be the same as it was in Star Trek Next Generation. Quote, I'm very concerned about recreating that has a lot of potential disasters attached to it. So I said, we are not trying to recreate something. We're going to move forward from here, right? And they said, yes, yes, yes. The previously released trailers have revealed that season two of Picard has the crew jumping into a darker fascistic timeline and traveling back to contemporary Los Angeles. Delancey's cue can be seen throughout, and he appears in at least six of the ten episodes in season two. So now the question is, what is this something that is so important to Q that he wants Picard to do? And is this how or why they ended up in the different timeline and or back in time? Hopefully we will find out soon with Picard season two debuts paramount plus has announced season two was to arrive in february however that was before they announced that discovery season four was taking a five-week hiatus returning in february so it's reasonable to assume picard will be pushed back and of course we now have an updated timeline as of to was it just today it was just today oh no yesterday they came out yesterday 
yep. yesterday, yep. which we already updated you on. So, uh, so there you go. A little wise words and uh, teasing from John Delancey. I'm excited to see him. And I like that all these characters are just a little bit different. You know, we don't need a rehash of Q from the 90s if he's a little different. Well, that's okay. Uh, the question is, how do they explain that? Uh, being that he is an eternal being. You you always kind of think of an eternal being as one who does not change so much over time or at least uh, in a different timeline from ours. So I'd be interested to see how they deal with that. I'm kind of hoping Absolutely. that they explain the uh, Q and the Guinan race uh, this coming season. Well, that would be fun. I mean, they do have the yeah, both because... on staff, so you would think so. Yeah, and Guinan wiggled her fingers at Q, and he kind of was worried at the wiggling of the fingers. So we, we we don't know what the wiggling finger thing was. Hopefully we'll find out. I mean, it's, it's a long time to wait for that answer. That was way back in, what, 91? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, man, I mean, that's, a, that's a solid 30 years we've been waiting for that answer. Yeah, so it would be nice to find that out. I do want to correct that article just a little bit. John Delancey is in six episodes. That part is true. But he's in three episodes in season two and three episodes in season three. It's not he's not in six of the ten in season one. So I just wanted to, to clarify that. And Charles, you've got our next story, coincidentally. <laughs> I don't how did you end yeah. up with both the same stories? I wonder. I guess my connection with cats could be <laughs> well very logical love it Bobcat well, issues with data had issues with cats yeah the backstory of grudge the cat with IDW's new Star Trek Discovery comic miniseries to christen a new year in style, IDW Publishing is pressing off 2,000 years in the future with a boldly new Star Trek Discovery limited series titled Adventures in the 32nd Century. This fantastic offering kicks off with tales of Book- Booker's mysterious feline grudge and it's centered around the daring exploits of the United Federation of Planets and is presented by the hit sci-fi Star Trek series on Paramount+. Plus. The four issues release a homecoming of sorts for co-writers Christian Beyer and Mike Johnson, who collaborated together on a number of IEW Star Trek Discovery comics like Light of Talus, Succession, and Aftermath. They're accompanied by artist Angel Hernandez, who contributes to Star Trek Green Lantern, The Spectrum War, and Star Trek Manifest Destiny. They build a acclaimed reputation for his dynamic rendering on the page. Creators of the ebook from Amazon from March 30th, or visit your local comic store on March 2nd for a physical copy. So we got a lot of grudge coming our way. Got a lot of grudge. Lots of grudge. Grudge, 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 <laughs> grudge, So, guys, that wraps up our convention calendar, our Star Trek birthdays, our fan shout-outs, our Star Trek news, and our Star Trek online update from Nate. And you know what that means, don't you? 
time for Star Trek Prodigy First Contact. And uh, first of all, I want to say I like the play on the title. Um, yeah. First Contact, but it's not Contact, it's Contact. So I, I like the way they played with that word for the episode title. I thought that was clever, particularly with the, what the episode was was about. And right. rather than um, than playing some clips for you guys, which usually I would do, when I was when I was watching the episode, uh, usually there's a ready room with Will Wheaton, and um, there's not for Prodigy. I don't know why, but there's not. So I went online and I, I found a couple of, of um, little uh, vignettes that Paramount Plus put out to promote the episode. I like to play a trailer for you guys, but they don't have trailers for the episodes. But I found these two interesting vignettes that I want to play for you guys uh, because they talk about the episode and they're, they're the actual actors themselves. So that's pretty cool. So the first one that I want to play for you guys is Kate Mulgrew talking about trusting your heart. Hi, I'm Kate Mulgrew, and I'm the voice of Hologram Janeway in Star Trek Prodigy. This week's lesson is to trust your heart. Sometimes we may be asked to do something we believe is wrong, even by those we consider closest to us. I sense you question her motives. I, I trust her. She's a friend. It takes a strong heart to stand up for what we believe in. But if that heart is telling you someone is leading you in the wrong direction, trust it. We shouldn't be here. Don't be ridiculous. We came to make a trade. In the latest episode of Star Trek Prodigy, Dahl comes to that conclusion after he puts his trust in the woman who raised him, despite having misgivings about her truthfulness. In the end, his gut instinct is correct. The crew shouldn't have believed her. You go, girl. Two snaps for <laughs> Captain Janeway, huh? Ma'am. I, I just thought that was a more interesting way of, of going through the episode than me picking a random clip. And I, I kind of, anytime I can get Kate on the podcast, I get her on the podcast. Although it's just a pre-recorded Kate. It's still cool to have her on the podcast. And I have one more clip that I'm going to play for you guys. And this one is, is uh, called Dow explains the Ferengi. Hi, I'm Brett Gray, and I voice Dal on Star Trek Prodigy. One alien species that pops up in many Star Trek shows is the Ferengi, who hail from the planet of Ferenginar. In Star Trek Prodigy, we meet Damon Nandi, a Ferengi woman who helped raise Dal. Dal? You two-bit, crooked tooth. No good Ferengi! The Ferengi value profit above all else, as their society is built on free enterprise. As a result, they have a reputation for being greedy and conniving. We should talk. Oh, my lobes are tingling with opportunity. Much to the Protostar crew's dismay, the reputation turns out to be true for Nandi. Rule of acquisition number 21. Never place friendship above profit! Ferengi are distinctive in appearance due to their short stature, bulbous foreheads, and very large ears. The better for picking up on intel for a good deal or a tricky scheme. All right, so there you have it. Just enough information about the episode. Kind of not warrant it for you, but, but 
we're going to dive right into it. But before we do that, we like to hear what you guys, our fans, think about the episode first. To do that, you can go to our Facebook page. I always post a little a little um, uh, promotional photo that I get from the Paramount Plus website about the episode. And we ask you guys, the fans, to score it on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best and 1 being the worst. And if you want to give us a little explanation as to why, that helps too. And then every week, we tally that up and get what the fan score was. That's you guys. And compare that to us to see how close we are to the fans. And um, this week, we have a rather wide range between one of our, at least one of our, our scorers on this podcast and our fans. But we'll get around to that a little bit later. But Eric... Eric, what did our fans have to say about First Contact? Well, September Rose Keeler said, uh, I give it a three. The only reason I was able to watch it was because I was so busy noticing the Dark Crystal influences. Even the light begins looking like the Ursex. Urskex. Urskex? Is that how you pronounce that? So, yeah, there you go. From September Rose Keeler, a three. Sean Janeer said a seven because of the last episode. I thought we were going to learn what happened to the original crew. Good point. Top fan Aaron Aiken said, in comparison to the other episodes in this series, seven. The Ferengi was a bit odd, but I'm not altogether too clear on the timeline. I would figure they wouldn't just be wandering around the Gamma Quadrant where they are now, let alone the same Ferengi who knew Dal, who we first met in the Delta Quadrant, it just seemed a little wonky. I also expected a bit more of what happened with the first crew of the Protostar as opposed to the Dreadnought hint. So there you go. Dominique Colgan gave it an 8. Top fan Carlos A. Smith gave it a 6. Wes Huntington gave it an 8. Top fan Jason D. Lewis gave it a 5. Ellen Smock said 10. Every episode of Prodigy makes me think this is the best Star Trek in years. And uh, when you average out our fan scores this week, we come up with a fan score of about a 6.9, uh, which is uh, kind of between the last two episodes that we, uh, that we scored uh, between Kobayashi and, uh, and this one. So there you go. Uh, 6.9 from our listeners this week, Jim. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. So there you have it. But why don't we start off with Nate? Because we have an interesting, uh, Nate has an interesting take on this episode. We talked a little bit about it before the show, before we went live. So uh, let's start off with Nate. So Nate, what what did you give this episode and why? Well, I gave this one an eight. I thought it was actually one of the the better episodes so far of this show. I, uh, unlike the last show with the uh, episode, which I gave a three, uh, I enjoyed this one because the entire group was involved this week. I, uh, I also, uh, it was nice to see the Ferengi Marauder. Uh, although, uh, even though that ship looked as glorious, uh, as it did, uh, I thought, uh, my only negative is that they, uh, they seem to be treating that shuttle cra- uh, uh, more like a shuttle than a starship because uh, it was, seemed to be only crewed by uh, Dal's mom and her floating uh, uh, box crew member there. And 
to me, I, I think you need more of a crew for a ship that size. Uh, the other thought that I had, uh, not positive or negative, but when as soon as I saw that, even though they said this, this was his first contact uh, with the species, as soon as they're revealed, for some reason, maybe because I play STO, but and I don't remember them from any episodes, uh, they seemed like Iconians to me. But again, they said they were a uh, first contact race, but that's I was getting an Iconian feel from just how they looked. Uh, so I didn't put that in my response, but uh, yeah, that was the only other comment I had about it. It was a great episode. I loved it. And I, I kind of agree. I, I really thought it was great to see the Ferengi Marauder again. Um, that that was that was nice, and and it looked spectacular too. But you're right; it's actually the equivalent of the Galaxy class starship, and to have it be crewed by just her and the floating cube was a little bit strange. And it, yeah. it landed I on the planet and had a little. It, it landed on the planet and had a little platform come down and she stepped out of it, which made the ship appear on screen to be a lot smaller than it, it that it is. Um, but um, I, I, I still, it was still great to see the ship and they did a great job animating and it looked really good on the, on the screen, but um, you're right. It, the ship is much, much bigger than it's portrayed in the episode. And what were you, what were you going to say about it, David? Uh, I was going to say, I had a little theory about why it was only crewed by one person. Um, mainly because, as you're looking at Discovery, what the whole um, AI situation going on, maybe the Ferengi somehow got a handle on um, the AI being able to take control of the ship more often than an actual crew. And as far as it being the size of the galaxy class, like you said, it landed on a planet and everything. I think that ship actually might be a lot smaller because if you can compare it to size compared to the protostar, the protostar is actually a very, very tiny ship and they actually look really close and similar size. And, um, yeah, so I just thought maybe it might've been controlled by an AI of some sort. Like maybe the Ferengi got some sort of deal on like some sort of, uh, AI processor or something. <laughs> that's why you see a little floating box around him all the time because it's like maybe that's the control for the ship. And then, or that's the AI you know what itself. I thought? You know what I was thinking, David? I was thinking back to the old the old Klingon bird of prey big dispute. And how big is the Klingon bird of prey? And and they've come up with all these different. It's a Cavort class. It's a Brielle class. It's this class. It's that class. They just kept using the same model over and over again and saying it was a different class and to make it bigger. So maybe this Ferengi Marauder is a small, like a Klingon Brielle class bird of prey, and it's just a smaller version of the bigger ship, maybe. Does that work? Does that sound, you know, <laughs> Star Trekky? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe because uh, the Enterprise D is like 640 meters long and the Decor is 630, so you're right, it's supposed to be about the same size crew of 450 people, and the Protostar is only like 230 meters long, so it's it's a third of the length of the Galaxy class slash Decora. So, yeah, how she flew by herself is kind of uh, amazing. It was, I was so 
<laughs> it was still cool to see it show up, though, I thought. Totally. And it looked good. You know, I agree with you guys. Yeah. It looked real good. And so, David, uh, what did you think about the episode on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, I think this episode by far probably is about a 7. Yeah. About a 7? Yeah, that, that's that's pretty much on par with what our what our fans said. Pretty close. Yep, and and you know, the other thing too is she uh, she had a cloaking device that she and she cloaked the ship too, um, which is something we've never seen Ferengi do before, and that was an interesting I, twist. I believe it was a Klingon cloaking device too, was it not? It was. Yep, that's what she said. It was a Klingon cloaking device, and they were going to put it yeah. on the Protostar, which which is another interesting situation. But it never got that far. Well, so and I, I think was... what's it's never got that far. And I, I mean, we're sort of dancing around the one like really important thing I think about this episode was that it's it's highly movie inspired because of course we have a Ferengi female here who shows up fully clothed uh, and obviously ready to do business, <laughs> ready to do Ferengi things to earn profit. <laughs> Um, so I thought it was cool that we got to see not only a Ferengi female, but a Ferengi female who refers to herself as Daemon, which, uh, although it seems to, in the show, maybe there, there are some, uh, implications that it's actually, uh, a rank within the Alliance. I think it's kind of like, um, you know, Captain Picard is a captain, but, uh, captain Rios is also a captain of his own ship, even though he's not a captain in the in Starfleet anymore. And so I think we've got Daemon. She calls herself uh, Nandi here. She's captain of her own vessel, fully clothed, ready to make some money. And she's she's tricky. She's like our classic uh, Ferengi who is only out for herself. And uh, – we get some heartbreak in here, I think, because Dahl meets her and is so excited to see her again. And yet, what do we find out in the end about what she did to him? I mean, uh, it's just, it's terrible. She basically sold him, right? She sold him into slavery. And uh, that's a real kind of heavy plot point that I really thought was was cool that they integrated that into this episode. I mean, this this show's I think we've kind of maybe thought this show might be made for like the six to 10 year old range perhaps. And that's a pretty heavy topic. And I thought they just handled it really, really well here. I really like the character of Damon uh, Nandi, uh, despite the fact that she's not really redeemed <laughs> in the end. At no, all. I, I think it's great that they, they, they left her as a bad guy. Yeah. Well, um, I, they didn't. Yeah. They left her, as a shady character they didn't have the happy polished ending where she says oh i realized the error of my ways here's your cloaking device here's your titanium back i'm sorry i mean they left her the way she was which i thought was cool yep yeah and, and she can I, I, go ahead. it was great when she's going to give them the ferengi bedpan <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i mean she'll just take and she just looks around and kind of looks for something shiny to give away i mean that was the <laughs> That was the, she didn't put any thought into it, you know. Precious like, metals on. from space. Oh my <laughs> god! But I definitely, 
I see Nate's uh, Iconian vibe. You know, they kind of have that head shape going uh, a little bit. I mean, I don't know a lot about how they're represented in in, uh, in Star Trek Online, but I've seen enough images uh, just by doing image searches and stuff. And I, I agree. I think these aliens have a very Iconian vibe to them. Yeah, yeah they, there's nothing they, wrong with it. I just thought that, no. that that's what they reminded me of. Yep, totally. They reminded me of um, of uh, of something else, and my old senile mind can't remember it right now. But when I was watching it, I was like, they look awful lot like blah 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 blah. And right now, I can't remember what blah 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 was. But they do resemble an alien that I remember seeing somewhere else, um, and I can't remember it right now. Anyways, butterfly people. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Butterfly people. Yeah, this is a butterfly people. <laughs> Anyways. Um, we're going to take another our, our final commercial break of the evening so don't go away don't touch that dial we'll be right back after we hear from Jamie Hi this is Jamie from Chep Talking here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi theme podcast our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content Call 646-668-2433 Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And we're back. So, uh, Eric, overall, though, what what, what did you think about the episode overall? I mean, you know, on a Uh, scale of 1 to 10. And you, you watched it with your daughter, I assume? Uh, you know, it's so interesting, Jim. I thought for sure this was going to be the show that she was going to love, but it turns out that 12, 12 and a half years old is maybe just a little bit too old for this show. She's she's much more into the um, the sort of sarcastic, edgier humor of Lower Deck. So I watched this one by myself, but I, I watched it with kind of an eye towards how a kid might view it. And I really, I really like this episode. I'm kind of up there with Nate. I'm in that eight range um, for this episode. I do like that they finally got away from just a doll story. Uh, as Nate said, they involved a lot of the other characters. Even though we do get a backstory uh, with Dahl, uh, with this being his sort of adopted mother, I just think it's such an interesting um, setup on this show, having all of the kids being former slaves and having them kind of find their way in the universe with the help of this hologram and then also having them be former slaves because it gives them this kind of cynical look towards, well, it gives many of them like doll, certainly uh, a cynical look towards the universe. And then you get uh, characters like rock talk, who is just kind of always eyes of wonder and uh, you know, things are just so cool uh, at at every single moment. (laughs) which I think that 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 kind of mirrors how different kids might uh, view a situation like this, you know, as they kind of dive into this show. So I I really did like this episode um, quite a bit, uh, despite the fact that uh, his mom was was not, uh, didn't, didn't, didn't sort of get a wrapped up story. Uh, you know, you're saying you kind of like that. I sort of wish that she was redeemed a little bit because, you know, there always has to, Ferengi always have to be a bad guy. I guess 
Quark is the uh, perfect example of how Ferengi can be a bad guy and a good guy at the same time. And I guess I wanted a little bit more of that out of her character, uh, a little bit of redemption, because I don't know if we'll see her again necessarily. There are also some things about this show I'm a little confused about, like they're 4,000 light years away from where they were. So is the Diviner even in the plot anymore? Uh, I guess we'll see. But good episode. I give it an eight. Well, she, she, uh, she did reach out. She did send him a communique. She did. And, well, she know what she did was she sent out almost like a distress signal, and the protostar happened to pick it up. So it wasn't that she sent him one directly. I mean, they, they just sort of picked it up, I think, right? But, Is that how well, that works? Well, no, because... No, because uh, he sent he put out a bounty, a reward for the return of the ship, and she contacted him at the end oh, to tell him. But 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 my question again, first of all, uh, I enjoyed the episode. So, um, mm-hmm. but my my question is, look, where the protostar got where they are through a time warp? I'm I'm a, well. some type of experimental time warp jumping warp engine of some type well it's right? the drive it's the drive it's the proto warp drive which we don't know anything about but we i'm going to infer from the opening credits because you'll notice that discovery does this too it gives you clues to what's going to happen in the opening credits and the the prodigy has been the same way the very first image you see is the protostar sort of busting out of some kind of invisible vortex so whether it's a wormhole or a time thing or or what we know that it doesn't travel in normal space right well because they went from they went from the delta quadrant to the gamma quadrant like boom boom in one episode Four so thousand if the diviner in like 30 seconds yeah so if the diviner is still in the delta quadrant right then there's no then then it's it's a done deal. There's no way that the diviner can ever get back to them unless unless they go back to rescue Chakotay and the rest of the crew. Then the diviner will be back in action again. But if they stay where they are, the diviner's out of the picture because he does he doesn't have the technology to get to where they are. And I will say that this episode could have been higher than an eight for me had they dealt with that a little bit because they definitely teased it in the last episode with that last reveal of Chakotay, and then they just they just left us hanging this episode. No information. So well, I, well I no, that's not that's not entirely true. Well, because, they gave us a peak. They did give us one. Yes, peak. because yeah. hologram Janeway, whose memory was white. By, I'm assuming the diviner yeah. um, is watching the holographic replay and with Chakotay in the captain's chair and her hologram standing next to him, and she sees uh, the uh, Darth Maul spider guy there Dreadnought. in the doorway. So yeah. um, there was a little hint that something was amiss and that they were investigating it. So they didn't just drop it and forget about it. They did mention it. But um, so, yeah, I still think they're going to turn around and go back. Yeah, but probably we'll right. have to wait and see. I think they're going to go back. But I, I love the Ferengi. I love that she was eating tube worms. I thought that <laughs> her character was was perfect. She was a perfect Ferengi. I thought she acted like one. She talked like one. She had the motives of a Ferengi. I thought she was great. And so I, I my hats off to that. 
I also agree with Nate that I thought it was great that each one of the characters um, had something particular to do. And uh, um, uh, what is her name? The diviner's Gwen. daughter there. Gwen. She seemed, she's like the Mr. Spock first officer type um, intelligence of the bunch. Well, like she and knew about the resident's frequency. And, she's got a you know, in because she's the communications person too, right? She understands languages. Yeah. Right. She's kind of got it all going on. So I, I really like her character. So I, it, it was it was really nice to see them all doing something for a change. Well, in this in this episode, I felt like Doll and Gwen connected a little bit more too, which has been kind of fun because they've been uh, a little bit more adversaries lately. You know, with Doll trying to just force his way into captainhood, and Gwen probably being the one who might be most qualified for the position, but has now become the communications officer slash first officer. Yeah, I, I think I think you're onto something there. I, I, I agree. I think she's a better I, I think she would be better suited for that role just based on the, the way the character's been presented to us so far. She knows the language, she she knows about the computer, she knows a lot about the protostar. So I think that she would be better suited for the captain, but I I, I look at her like Mr. Spock in TOS. I mean, Mr. Spock was far superior to Kirk and could easily have been captain, but chose not to be. He didn't want that center seat. Not until much, much later in Star Trek II did he actually get that. I don't think he had the aspirations to want that seat, and I think she's the same way. I don't think she wants the burden of command. I think she's happy being what she's doing. I don't know why we're talking about command. It's not a Starfleet vessel anyways, but you know what I'm saying? Well, it's not. That it's leadership even role. Hol- even, yeah, even Hologram Janeway has called him the captain. So, I mean, you know, they're not official, but effectively, he's the captain. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's the first officer right now. But I, I mean, think overall, yeah, I, 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 I give this episode an eight myself. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm right there with, with, with Nate. They um, need to they need to do some more with Jenkin Pod to make him a more interesting character because I feel like they have done that with almost all the other characters. Like last episode, we learned how Murph was indestructible, and we've got the Medusan who we we learned a little bit about right at the beginning, and you know we keep digging into both Dahl and uh, Gwen at this point. Um, we're even we've even learned a little bit about rock talk, but we, we just haven't learned that much about Jenkin Pog aside from the fact that he supposedly was on a Tellarite sleeper ship. And that's how he got way, way out there in the Delta quadrant. Well, you know what I, you know what I liked at the beginning when they're, when they find out about transporters. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> and they're, they're tra- yeah. I like that, you know, yeah. transporting yeah, the pie is- around. <laughs> Well, that was, that was coming up to my point. So, all right. Well, okay. Guess what? You get to bring up the caboose again, Charles. You heard what everybody else had to say. You heard the scores that we all gave it. So, take it away. The spotlight is on you. Okay. Well, okay. We start off with what some people categorize as a Simpsons reference. Floor pie. 
<laughs> and right. It took me a little while to figure out why they were chasing a cherry pie. He said cherry pie around the floor. Mm-hmm. And they're shooting off transporters. Like, okay, I thought we were going to a serious thing. It's like pie. Kind of threw me off of that one a bit. <clears throat> and it's like, oh, let's move Murph. Transport him. See how far we can take him. Okay, why are we beam him off the ship? <laughs> yeah, Luckily, he's yeah. probably the only creature that can actually survive being off the ship. <laughs> Thank goodness it wasn't one of the but other characters. But can there be safeties of, safeties of trying to make sure you don't be in crew members off the ship and into space? That's pretty funny. Okay, okay, where are the safety protocols? We did get to see a Serengi, but as you guys kind of both, it's more of a PNG Ferengi. Yeah. Not the more DS9 Ferengi. And I'm a little partial more to the DS9 Ferengis than I am the. Why, why do you say DLS she's one? more TNG than DS9? DS9, you've got a little more quirk influence on a lot of the characters. And so the Ferengis aren't quite so as worried about profit, worrying about doing their thing. Yes, nine. They were doing that, but not as much. We got a lot more quirk in there than we did some of the other Ferengi. And TNG, you had a lot more. The Ferengi is kind of off doing their thing. You get more of the evil Ferengi, the Ferengis that are worrying about themselves instead of others. Well, I would argue Quark worries about himself a lot. <laughs> He's all for himself and not not anybody else. It's all about the Latinum. Yeah, well, his brother didn't worry about the Latin as much. True. Neither did Nog. So there is a bit of a mix. Uh, when you talk about a self-running ship, it's like, well, how can a ship run by itself? Uh, okay, discovery we can't say because this this doesn't occur in 32nd century. But we do have Rios' ship, which is run by holograms. And since we really didn't see a crew on board her ship, it could be automated. Definitely. But... I think visiting the planet kind of agree with Janeway in the course of like, okay, you went on that you went on that planet with your own motives, and not the ideas of sitting there trying to do first contact. And it caught me. It's like, okay, there's a lot of action, but how much of action is really going to tie us into this story? This is a little more of a bubble episode. But that 
it was good, but it wasn't one of the epi- the episodes. As Nate jumps onto this one, I was more jumping on the last. So I'm going to take this one over to a seven. A seven? Yeah. So I mean, I I thought it was more to the story. When 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 they go down and they they crawl through that little hole in the wall and they get into Dal's old bedroom and they're like. You you stayed in a cot underneath the engines. That's where you that's where you lived, and the window that you're looking out of is the, the, where you where you saw the adventures and the battles of the universe was this little port window underneath the engine. And he's kind of like, well, yeah. And so I was like, okay, that that was some insight into the character, which I it thought was cool. Insight. There's definitely some backstory to this one. Yeah. Yeah. I did enjoy saw, seeing oh, okay. the. Okay, uh, we got this. We got this mysterious character that we know nothing about. We don't even know what species it is. And he was raised by a Ferengi that was wanting to sell him off to the right bidder. Absolutely, and 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 I think that was um, that was. I think Dahl was pretty gut wrenched when he when he found out the realization that she sold him. Yeah, yeah, I think I, for I, sure. I, I think that was that was a big deal for him because he's always looking on the cynical side, and this crew has been bringing him back to the bright side a little bit, and he kind of saw this as a continuation of his good luck, so to speak, and then it ran out. And so I think one of the things that is a big theme for this show is how these kids are dealing with the constant oscillation between extreme happiness and extreme disappointment, which is not unlike what some kids have to deal with these days, like just being kids, right? Like all this crazy stuff right. going on in the world. And then they just have to be kids too. It's a, uh, it's, it's a pretty good parallel, I think. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was a good balance this particular episode. You know, like like uh, Charles said, chasing the pie around was a was a very light kid moment, you know. And uh, overall, uh, it, it felt like Star Trek to me. It, it, it had that feel to it, you know. Yeah, I think they've been doing a pretty good job with the show in general of of giving it that kind of Star Trekky feel to it. It has a sense of wonder to it, which I really like, um, and the sense of discovery. And it's funny, I was, I think I was do, saying this in our chat last week uh, among all of us, saying, you know, do we as adults even have a right to render a verdict on this show when we're not at all the target audience? And I think we all decided that yes, yes, we do. Uh, we do have that right as uh, you know. As, people who love Star Trek and who who want to check out all of the new franchise stuff coming out and this being a, a, a totally different thing that Star Trek has never done before. Yes, we, we deserve a chance to look at this too, even though it's targeted towards kids. And um, I think they're doing a pretty good job of kind of mixing in just enough of the old Star Trek to make us old timers kind of particularly interested in what they're doing and yet presenting a show that, that kids who don't know anything about Star Trek are still uh, going to enjoy. With a good team. Well, it's a delicate balance, actually. You know, because if they go too far, it becomes like a SpongeBob or, you know, uh, in space type of deal. 
So, uh, you know, it's walking down that line, whereas Lower Decks is a completely different, totally different type of show than this one. Um, You know, I think Lower Decks is more like um, adult animation, you know. There's a lot of topics that Lower Decks deals with and a lot of things that they have on the show that just aren't going to be for kids. Whereas this particular show, I think, is aimed at kids, but adults can enjoy it as well. Well, this episode is a perfect example of what the what the show is trying to do, which is that it introduces big concepts uh, innate to the Federation, like first contact, you know, the prime directive. The Federation shall not, uh, you know, get involved in the development of a, of an advanced species. And Janeway tries to teach that to the crew here, and then we kind of see how it goes wrong when they don't listen to her. So. I guess if if Star Trek is a morality play, what is the episode teaching? Um, listen to your elders, I, <laughs> which is not a bad lesson, <laughs> I think, in this case, you know. Uh, as much as you want to go out there and try it on your own, uh, sometimes some other people have some more experience that maybe you should just um, just listen every now and then, and maybe you'll, you'll kind of be able to bypass some of the pain and suffering that goes along the way. Well, I think I think that Kate Mulgrew, uh, with her Captain Janeway speech at the beginning, the clip that I played where she says, "Follow your heart." I think she nails it perfectly. If you know, if your heart is telling you not to do something, then you should stop and listen because it's probably not the right thing to do. You know, yeah. I mean, sometimes yeah. the hardest thing to do is not always the best thing to do. You know, that's true. Yeah. So I, I, I like it. I'm enjoying Prodigy. It's, the one thing I like about all the new Star Trek that we're seeing is that so far, I keep hearing all these people on, on, the, on Facebook talking about, oh, it's a glut of Star Trek. It's too much Star Trek. They're saturating the market like they did in the 90s. But, <laughs> but I, I don't see that happening because and each Star Trek that we have is different from the other Star Treks that we have. None of them are the same. They all appeal to different people. They all have different themes. And, you know, some people hate Discovery. Some people hate Picard. Some people hate Lower Decks. And some people hate Prodigy. And that's fine. That's cool. But then there's some people that like it all. There's some people that like some of it and not others of it. So there's something there to appeal for everybody. And as long as Star Trek is constantly changing like that and giving everybody something to like, I don't think that you're ever going to hit that saturation point because it's constantly changing, in my humble opinion, for what that's worth. How is that too much Star Trek? That's what I want to know. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. You know? <laughs> so Same, same could be title. said, though, for the lessons that Disney is learning about Star Wars. Um, they, you know, they were pressing upon a film basically every, it was every year, I thought. Um, and then, uh, they put out Solo and then, but they put out Solo too quick, I think, uh, because they put it out six, only six months after, uh, The Last Jedi, whereas they were putting out, they had December, for Star Wars, so they should have stuck with, I think they should have stuck with December for Solo, 
a, a Star Wars story as well. Uh, and uh, I think they they would have done better. But uh, what I'm saying is, is that, okay, well, they, they suddenly put the brakes because people were saying the same thing. Uh, oh, there's too much Star Wars out there. Um, uh, you're 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 flooding us with it, and so the, so Disney tried to adjust, and why why they're putting stuff now on on Disney Plus, um, and not necessarily in the theaters. So I think you have that same those same kind of people are saying the same thing about Star Trek. Then they're saying, hey, hey, maybe this is too much. Then all of a sudden it's going to fall off a cliff for the fandom. Maybe there's that fear going on. Yeah, I, I I can see that, but uh, but again, you know, uh, look at look at what Disney's doing right now with Marvel and Star Wars. There's a new Marvel miniseries. If it's not Marvel, it's Star Wars. They they, they go back right. and forth. You know, yeah. Hawkeye just finished, and now we have Boba Fett. And then when Boba Fett finishes, they're going to go into to Loki. I mean, so um, Disney Plus is doing it with their series. I don't see why they couldn't continue to do that with Star Trek. Yeah, I see your point you know. there. Um, you know, as long as as long as it doesn't get stagnant, that's the big thing. If they get a, an equation, they find a formula that works, and they use that same thing over and over and over again, that's when you have burnout. And so far, I haven't seen that with Star Trek. We, even, we, we, we can't say anything about uh, Picard because we only have one season. But if you look at Discovery, every season of Discovery has been different than the season before. You know, they haven't, they, they, they've switched it up. And uh, as long as they keep doing that with all these different Star Trek shows, I don't think you'll you'll have that burnout. I don't think, anyways. And the biggest difference we have here is that all these new Star Treks are on Paramount Plus. It's a streaming service. Just imagine if Enterprise had been on a streaming service and not on broadcast TV where it was relying on advertising dollars to keep it going, maybe it wouldn't have been canceled after the fourth season because it was really getting good when they canceled it. If it was on streaming and they could look at the streaming numbers to see exactly what's going on, maybe it wouldn't have been canceled. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know that. You know? Mm -hmm. I I have a quick question. Yeah, um, has anybody heard the story or any news about whether or not that the Paul character is going to be showing up in Strange New World? All right. They, I don't like to talk about rumors <laughs> on the show at all. Uh, like when we do our Star Trek news and stuff, that's all that's legitimate. But I, I'll, I, I have been following those rumors, David. And what I can say is that, um, uh, 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 Jolene, um, what's her name? Jolene Block. What's her name? Yeah, yeah. Jolene Blaylock. Yeah, yeah. Jolene Blaylock has fall, has literally falling off the planet when it comes to appearing at Star Trek events. She she doesn't do it. She just won't. Um, and she's not comfortable with it. I for whatever her reasons. So uh, she's basically just evaporated and has been nowhere and hasn't been seen. She's doing her thing and that's fine. That's cool. However, however, 
she was spotted at Star Trek Day when they uh, when they had Star Trek Day. She showed up, and that was the first time she'd ever been anywhere. And it's it involved the Star Trek in public, and she's been seen on the set. I mean, on studio lots, and she's she's been frequently been spotted by fans, and so people are thinking because she's starting to show up again, and because the timeline for Strange New Worlds um, and the Age of Paul, she she's the one character that could fit right into Strange New Worlds absolutely perfectly. So yeah. fans are starting to deduce that maybe she's going to be on the show. However, there's been absolutely no official notification of that. There's been nothing to hint at that. But then again, if Paramount had seven of nine show up in Picard and it was a total, total, total secret yeah. until it happened. So, so if yeah. that's true, they're keeping it extremely under wraps. But the fact that she's been showing up in public at Star Trek events, I wouldn't be surprised if that was true, but there's no fact based in that at all. Okay. I was just curious. So, yep. Take that for what, what it's worth. I wouldn't mind seeing her actually, uh, to tell you the truth. I wouldn't mind. Uh, because her, we we did see her, was that her mother hanging out with the stalactites? It was her mother, wasn't it? Uh, I think. <laughs> was it her mother? Yes, it was. It was her. Mother. Yeah, her yeah. mother showed up. So so I, I carrying keeping that character's line going on through Star Trek, I think would be a pretty cool thing. But yeah. we'll have to wait and see. Well, guys, guess what time it is? No. Hard to believe. Let's go on for another three minutes. (laughs) Wow, just, just, just wow. So, anyways, I want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much to all of you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. No matter where you are listening, we it means a lot to us that you're spending this Thursday with us. So, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Give us a like. Give us a follower. We really could use your help to break that eighty-one thousand follower mark that would be really cool uh, you could also head over to blog talk radio backslash trek talk and give us a like and give us a follow over there that way you'll always actually you know what you could do that on our facebook page as well you'll see the audio for tonight's show and all you have to do is click on the subscribe button underneath that little flashing circle there and you will get an email notification every time we put out a podcast so you'll never miss one so that's pretty cool um, I want to say thank you so much to David for hanging out and truck talking with us. David, thank you for hanging out with us. Yeah, you're welcome. That was fun. And before I forget, I want to, I want to say to Shannon, who's hanging out in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, uh, I hope you're feeling better. Have some tea, have some honey, and uh, stay in bed nice and warm. And I hope you feel better and you can join us next week. So get well, Shannon. I also want to say thank you so much to our very own Star Trek Online resident expert, Nate. Nate from Vegas. Thanks for hanging out and Trek talking with us and sharing some Star Trek Online with us, Nate. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And I also want to say thank you to our very own Charles, who's also in Las Vegas. Thanks for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight, Charles. Oh, always. Lots of Trek, especially with all the news getting lately about what's coming up. A lot of, lot of good stuff. I'm, we're going to be busy on this show. And, of course, last but not least, thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Eric. 
Absolutely. I had a blast as always. Thank you to each and every one of you all and to all our listeners. And next week we'll be talking about tonight's episode of Prodigy, which I believe is called a mock, if I remember correctly. And we'll be talking about that. Yep, I think so. Same bad time, same bad channel, Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So make sure you check your calendars. You don't want to miss that. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. I want to say to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Night, y'all. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.